Hey, everybody. How's it going? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Uh, I hope you all had a Merry Christmas or a Happy Holiday and that you are gearing up for uh, New Year's and maybe making resolutions or things like that. Uh, this episode is a year in recap, just sort of reflecting upon three years of the podcast and also a discussion of fixed and growth mindsets from the book Mindset by Carol Dweck. So I hope that this episode can serve you. And if you are someone who makes New Year's resolutions and you're trying to think about what you might want to do differently and all that kind of stuff, I hope this episode can be something that will help you do that. Before we get into this episode, though, I just want to take a second to say if you listen past the outro of the episode, you'll hear our Mastering Engineer Brandon Yoakum giving us a secret message. They're always funny or thought-provoking, so you definitely want to check that out. And I also just want to thank our sponsor for the podcast, Houghton Horns. For those of you that aren't familiar, Houghton Horns is a family-owned business in Keller, Texas, and their mission is to spread the joy of music through providing the highest levels of product, services, and resources to the brass playing community. It looks like right now, from December 27th to January 10th, they have an after-Christmas special. This says, with the purchase of a $3,000 new trumpet or trombone with a synchrony financial music credit card, you will receive 24 months of no interest financing. That is a credit card approval required, and you can go to the Synchronies application portal for terms and conditions. But if you're looking for a new instrument, this sounds like it might be a great time to do that. So I will link not only the deal, but I will link Houghton Horns and the instruments that they have so you can check that out. At Houghton Horns, they strive to put service to the customer as their top priority. Whether you are a beginner student, a hobbyist, or a full-time professional, Houghton Horns can help you find what you're looking for. Go to HoughtonHorns.com for more information. Hello, and welcome to That's Not Spit, It's Condensation. Hello, everybody, and welcome to That's Not Spit, It's Condensation. I'm Ryan Beach, and if you are new here to the podcast, welcome. I am glad you're here. If you are returning, I'm also glad to have you here, and thanks for coming back. Um, this episode is just going to be me, and it's going to be at a bit of reflection over the past three years of podcasting, plus a bit of a discussion of the book Mindset by Carol Dweck. Uh, as I just mentioned, uh, it's the end of 2021. I started my podcast in January of 2019. And so it's just crazy to think we've been going for three years now. And in that time, my mastering engineer, Brandon Yoakum, and I have produced 143 episodes, which comes out to over 170 hours of content. It's just insane to me that, you know, you just keep diligently doing something and over time, you end up with this huge resource of just being like, well, there's no way I would have ever have thought I would have put together you know, 170 hours of stuff when I first started. But, you know, now we're here. Uh, so, you know, before we get too far into this episode, I really just want to take a second to thank each and every one of you for listening. Um, it's amazing to me considering how many episodes there are and how many hours that I just mentioned that there are some people out there, I think, who have listened to every single episode. 
So that means more than 170 hours of hearing my voice <laughs> in their lives. And it's just crazy to me. It's The support means the world to me. It really does. I used to hear influencers or content creators who would say, you know, to their audience, they would say, all of you really keep me going. And I used to think, oh, like that's ridiculous. But I totally get it now. And I totally agree. I, I love this project. And it is something that really uh, teaches me a lot and that uh, challenges me in important ways. But the fact that there are people listening and who have told me that they are getting a lot out of the content and a lot of the conversations I've had, it really does. It's a huge uh, source of motivation for me. So I just want to say thank you. It really, again, it means the world to me more than you could know. Just the fact that you'll uh, give me some of your time and listen to my podcast. I also want to thank anyone and everyone who has shared an episode on social media or the old fashioned way, just telling somebody about the podcast. And uh, it, it just it means the world that you would recommend it. Uh, and the, your recommendations are the best way that I can think of to grow the podcast. And so uh, for all of you that have done that, thank you so much. Uh, for any of you who may not have done that, uh, I would, as always, would appreciate if you just, you know, your favorite episode, uh, shared it on social media or shared it with somebody else and see if they might like it as well. So um, one thing that's interesting to me reflecting back on this three years of podcasting is uh, it's taken me a long time to figure out what it is that I want to do with it. And almost it's taken me a long time to sort of find my stride. And, uh, you know, for those of you that have been with me since the beginning, uh, you'll, you can really, at least in my opinion, you can really hear growth. You can hear I'm asking different questions now than I was back at the beginning. There was a period in, be in between, sort of in the middle ish, let's say, towards the end of the first year, the beginning of the second year, where I, I just was so stuck in thinking that I had like good ideas and I couldn't let my guests talk. And I just wanted to share all these ideas that I had with my guests. And I appreciate all of you sticking through, uh, through that period. And, and, and now I really feel like I kind of have a good idea of, uh, how I can, uh, try to get the best from each and every guest. And, you know, I really started this podcast, kind of from an altruistic thing. I wanted to just interview people from the Alabama Symphony and share those interviews with our community. And it certainly, as you all know, has evolved into something else completely. Uh, but it's always at its core been about trying to just connect with other people, trying to learn from other people, be inspired by other people. And also for me, having a bit of a platform to share things that I care about or things that I'm learning about or things that have benefited me in my life. And I just want to kind of throw that your way. That's what this episode is going to be later. And um, it's really it's really kind of been this thing that has taken me along the path that I've been walking for the past you know, two or three years. It's crazy. I mean, I started the podcast and that podcast led me to working with Karen Kubitis and working with Karen helped me sort of figure out a lot of things in terms of what I want to offer and where I feel like I fit in the whole, you know, music industry. I used to think of myself as only an orchestral trumpet player, but obviously at this stage now I'm a podcaster. I've created content for YouTube. I have written blog posts. There's other projects that I have coming up that have to do with writing. And it's just the, the scope of how I feel that 
I could be useful has grown. And really, the podcast is the genesis of that. And uh, using the uh, topic that we're about to talk about uh, of mindset, the podcast is really one of the, if not the first thing that I've done that was truly from a growth mindset perspective, where when working out, I didn't know much. I was a beginner and I learned, but I had a specific goal. I wanted to lose weight. With the podcast, the goal wasn't you know, make as much money as I could or get as many people following. Of course, you hope that those kinds of things can happen, that you could develop an audience or maybe even make a little bit of money doing it. But again, it started with me just wanting to share ideas and connect with other musicians and be inspired. And that's kind of been the thing that's driven the podcast. And so in that spirit of sort of framing it that way, I wanted to talk about uh, this book, Mindset by Carol Dweck. Uh, because it's kind of changed the way I see things, and it's helped me see issues that I've had in my life in a different light, and it's helped me make sense of some of the struggles I've had in my musical career. So for those of you that have not read this book, go read it. It's an amazing book. Uh, she just does such an incredible job of really getting into the nuance of all the different ways the fixed mindset can present itself or the growth mindset can present itself and what the long-term effects of those types of mindsets are. So go read the book. It's just, it's an incredible book. I can't recommend it enough, but we're just going to talk about it in this kind of related to music, music specifically. So in this, uh, let's see here. I have some notes here. I just want to make sure I know where I'm at. Okay, so Carol Dweck, I'm going to give you the definition of fixed and growth mindset in its most basic form. She describes a fixed mindset as believing that your qualities are carved in stone, and a growth mindset is the belief that your qualities can be cultivated through effort, strategies, and help. So all this means is it's actually kind of that distinction between talent and hard work. There's a narrative out there that says all of the people who are the greatest at what they do, they're just innately talented and they don't really have to put in that much work. And it's so much easier for them than it is for me. And she gives tons of examples of athletes and business people and others who have this fixed mindset and the effect it can have. Um, and it's just fascinating because we all are aware of this narrative to some degree. We've all seen, like I said, athletes and been like, wow, that's crazy. Or taking it and putting it in the context of music, we see certain musicians and we just make up a story in our head about how gifted they must have been when they were younger and how easy it was for them and they didn't have the same kind of struggles. And, uh, you know, opening up, I guess, di diving in a little bit deeper, there's this quote I wanted to share from the book. It says, in one world the world of fixed traits. Success is about proving you're smart or talented, validating yourself. In the other, the world of changing qualities, it's about stretching yourself to learn something new, developing yourself. Now, when I start to frame it in this way, I can, even, even without knowing anything else and reflecting upon that definition or that um, going deep like that, I can start to see elements of fixed mindset in how I live my life, how I have practiced, how I have seen myself as a musician. So much of my life in terms of what I was trying to accomplish in the practice room or amongst my friends or in auditions or whatever was to validate myself was to say, I believe I can accomplish a lot and I need everything around me 
to validate that, to confirm that I think I can be principal Trump at the Chicago Symphony and I can't, basically can't fail because if I fail, that's evidence that I'm not going to be good enough to do it. And so that's a fixed mindset way of seeing it as opposed to a growth mindset, which says, I think I could be principal Trump of the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, but I have a lot of things that I need to develop before I get there. And I'm actually not going to put so much pressure on myself to realize that particular goal. Rather, I'm going to use that goal to guide my work so that I can grow in certain ways that might lead to me realizing that particular dream or one that is like it uh, otherwise. So and the thing is, is we can, we start to think, okay, like fixed mindset, growth mindset, we have one or the other, like, what does that mean? And there's another quote that just continues this conversation that says, you have a choice. Mindsets are just beliefs. They're powerful beliefs, but they're just something in your mind and you can change your mind. So this expands that a little bit further. We see that uh, our mindsets are what our beliefs are. They, they're they what we think about ourselves based on, you know, maybe just how we've always felt or certain experiences that have told us that this is how we should feel about certain things or this is what we're capable of. For example, I saw myself as an orchestral trumpet player. I, I sit in the back of the hall and that's all I do. That's all I'm good at. It's a very fixed mindset way of saying it. I believed that about myself and thus it was true. This is where you get that quote that says, whether you believe you can or you can't, you're right. That's what this is. It's a fixed mindset. So if we can change our mind, how do we do that? How do we change our mind? How do we say, okay, I recognize, and we're going to get into some nuance and some specifics in a second, but just from a big picture point of view, you say, all right, I recognize I'm in a fixed mindset. How do I change it? This next quote kind of addresses that. It says, mindsets are an important part of your personality, but you can change them. Just by knowing about the two mindsets, you can start thinking and reacting in new ways. This is why you shall read the book, because it's almost as if just reading the book itself and learning that these mindsets exist and seeing examples of how they present themselves, both for fixed and for growth mindset, I can start to see in my own life without really needing anything else other than a little bit of self-awareness, I can start to see, oh yeah, in this particular instance, I have, I have a very fixed mindset. And this is how it presents itself. Over here, like I said with the podcast, I have a very growth-oriented mindset with the podcast. Like, I'm not thinking it has to be this or I have to prove anything with it. I'm just sort of like doing work and trying to learn a little bit as I go along. And maybe I have an idea for something unique. There was an episode, I don't even know how many ago, um, it was about my social media struggles. And Brandon wanted to do an interesting, different opening and I said, sure, go ahead. Like, I wasn't so fixed into this is exactly what my podcast has to be. We can't deviate that. I was like, yeah, let's just try something different. Let's have a good time. There's certain episodes where I used another podcast to discuss a certain thing related to practicing or mindset or whatever like that. And that was a new idea. Like, I'm always just trying to think what's a cool way to present some of this information. Well, that's a very growth mindset way of seeing it. And so what we learn, or what I learned from the book at least, is it's not one or the other. It's not you have a fixed mindset or you have a growth mindset. It's in certain ways, you may think 
you have a fixed mindset in certain ways, you may think you have a growth. Like you may think you can develop your intelligence by reading books or talking to people or getting an education, but you may feel like you cannot develop your art abilities. That's an example she uses in the book. You may think, I'm just terrible at drawing and there's nothing I can do to fix that. That would be an example of, I have a growth mindset over here and a fixed mindset over here. All right. Hopefully all this makes sense. Um, again, reading the book is going to give you more of a deep understanding, but I just wanted to, I want to set the stage here because now I'm going to dive into what a fixed mindset might look like for musicians and just sort of just discuss because even becoming aware for myself, what a fixed mindset looks like, I, I can just see it now all over the place. And it's humbling. It's humbling, honestly, because I want to believe I have a growth mindset, but that's almost like a fixed mindset way of thinking about it rather than saying, I want a growth mindset. I will do these things. It's like, I want to believe I have a growth mindset and then never actually do anything that would indicate that I have a growth mindset. So the first thing I want to say before we get into examples is all musicians must have some amount of a growth mindset or we all would have just quit right at the beginning. No one is great at their instrument the very first time they play it, but it almost seems as with a fixed mindset, that is the time you would decide this is either for me or not for me. So I can imagine that there are a lot of kids who try to play an instrument and they're like, this is hard. And then they quit within the first day or week or semester. But then there's others who say, this is really hard, but I'm going to take lessons or I'm going to keep learning or I'm just going to keep doing it because maybe it's fun, right? Maybe some kids don't care super deeply about becoming the greatest ever, but they enjoy doing it. They enjoy playing with their friends. So they keep going over the course of time, they get better. It's just something that kept them in there long enough to see that they could get better. A personal example for me would be my son, Patrick. He is just starting the violin um, not quite a year ago, and uh, currently he's nine. And so when he first started playing the violin, well, even backing up, I remember when he was just was talking about wanting to play the violin. He was like, he had seen people play, and he was like, oh, yeah. He just would motion. He'd hold his hand, his left hand up like he's holding, you know, where the neck is. And then he'd have the bow in the other hand, like sort of air bowing, air playing violin. And he would say, yeah, it's easy. You just do this. And I was like, ah, it's not quite that easy, but okay. And so he finally got to start the violin, and it was immediately difficult. It was immediately – he couldn't make a sound that he wanted to make. Maybe intonation was difficult for him to grasp because there is a, a huge – sort of learning curve immediately with a violin. And so he went from, this is fun, this is easy, I like this, to I want to quit. And then, well, the interesting thing is, as we didn't let him quit, we're like, you just got to keep trying, you got to take lessons, you know, we have we have him sort of casually working with um, a friend of ours who teaches violin, and as they work together, things become easier. And then now he's like, oh, this stuff is easy, and it's actually really frustrating to see because it goes from this is so easy, no problem, to this is so hard, I'm crying and I want to quit. There's no like middle ground, right? But this is a very fixed mindset way of seeing it. It's like if it's not already great, then how do I get better at it? But because he didn't quit, he sees he can get better. And I'm almost viewing this in his life as a way to help him develop the, the awareness that through effort, he can improve his skills at whatever he wants. 
So yes, I want them to learn the violin and a musical instrument, but I also want to try to relate it to a growth mindset to the best of my ability because, again, we all have to have that to some degree. So then I started asking the question, well, if we all have some sort of a growth mindset related to music, then how does it present itself? And this is where the nuance of the discussion, right? It's not just about whether our fate, uh, our traits are fixed or not fixed. It's how it presents uh, in psychologically, mostly, at least for me, but also how it presents and how we do our work. And so here's an example, all right? An example that I had, uh, this was forever ago. I took uh, an audition for the San Francisco Symphony. And back then I liked to talk to people when I took an audition. So I finished playing around and I sat down and then uh, another person who played after me came in and I said, how did it go? And he was like, I played... Basically, I think he said I played perfectly except for Petrushka. I messed that up a little bit. And then he said, but if they want to cut me because of this, these missed notes on Petrushka, like, and it's their loss or whatever. And then when we got the announcements, I remember on this particular audition, I advanced and this person did, this other person did not advance. And it's interesting because like his mindset was like, I played this, I played this in such a way that I think it was sufficient. But if you say it's not sufficient, this fixed mindset presents as, well, I don't know if I can get better. Like, I, I maybe I'm just not good enough. And this is how we get into these things where people don't want to take auditions because it's like, well, I put everything I had into it. And then a committee said, I'm not good enough. And that's not what the committee is saying. The committee is saying, in this moment, you played in such a way where we don't think that you will either fit into our sound concept, or maybe you didn't play consistently enough, or maybe you sound great, but you don't sound like an orchestral player uh, of some sort, right? So they're not saying that you and your skills and your potential are limited and you're just never going to be good enough. What they're saying is in this moment right now, we don't want to hear this candidate again. And so if we say, okay, how can I be better next time? This becomes a growth mindset. And then every audition serves to inform the next one. But all too often, and in my own life, all too often it can be, well, it's their loss. I'll just do exactly the same thing next time I audition and hopefully these people will actually appreciate what I have to offer. I mean, it's an extreme way to think about it, but I think all of us can kind of understand what that would, what that feeling is like. And I don't mean to demonize this person. I don't even remember who it was. I don't remember their name. I don't even remember what they look like. I just sort of remember this vague conversation happening. And uh, we can, we've all, we can all identify, I think, with that feeling uh, at certain times, which is just like. I think this is good enough. If somebody says it's not, well, like it's, you know, then it's their problem. So that's one way it can present itself. The very next audition I took around that time was for principal trumpet with the National Symphony. I think it was the very first one. They had like five of them. And I think Billy won the fifth one. I took the first one. And I remember because I advanced in the previous audition, I was like, all right, I'm just going to continue advancing and it won't be a problem. And I felt like I played well and I didn't advance out of the first round and I was absolutely devastated. And it's like, what's crazy is like, yes, it's okay to be bummed out and it's okay to be like, oh, I put a lot of effort into this and it didn't work out the way I wanted to. But it's like, in my mind, I didn't understand that like, because I advanced at one audition, 
that doesn't necessarily mean that like I'm ready to go for every audition I'll ever take beyond that. That doesn't mean that I've like what I was stuck in in this is this mindset of I will do as much work as I need to do to get to a certain point where then I just coast and the work is kind of done. It's like now I'm just good enough and I can just sort of rest on my laurels, so to speak. And that that mindset and that mental or that uh, sort of approach followed me for a very long time. So I worked really, really hard, but it was sort of wanting an end date at some point, you know? So it wasn't like I'm going to develop this system that I will do for the rest of my life and just slowly get better. It was like I'm going to you know, I'm going to basically sacrifice my health and I'm going to sacrifice a whole lot of other things. And that's what's going to, I'm going to do that for a short period of time. So anyway, continuing on another way it can present for musicians is the way you practice. If you are someone who is in the practice room and you're running things a lot, or maybe you slow things down for, you know, a little bit of the practice session, but then you always go fast at the end, or, you know, you really just struggle mentally. Maybe you can I guess, quote, slow things down, do things the right way when you're trying to learn something, but you know, you only do it for a few days and you get impatient. This is an effect of the fixed mindset, which says like, I need to, I need to prove to myself, I'm going to be capable of doing this. And the problem with that is it takes time. It's just, we need to be patient. We can't, we can't just say like, well, because I want this to be good, it's automatically going to be what I want it to be. And sometimes we have things we need to learn before that's going to be even possible. You know, when I was like, when I was a kid uh, and I was trying to play things like Mahler 5, I would hear Bud Herseth, ah, excuse me, Bud Herseth's recordings in my head, but I couldn't play that way you know, because I had a lot of development left. And so it was like, well, I can't play the way I want to play. So I almost was like, I'm just not even going to try. It's not even worth it to me to try to do something because I can't do it the way I want it, want to do it. And then every once in a while, maybe I would get lucky. And then now my practice is I'm just going to try to figure out how I can maximize my chance of getting lucky rather than I have put the work in to understand what I'm doing so that the consistency that has developed is a function of I've done the right kind of work. So if if you're struggling with that and you feel like you need to prove yourself to yourself, like every practice session or prove something to yourself about that you're good enough or that you're not just like wasting your time, that's an element of the fixed mindset. What we should rather do is instead of proving things to ourselves, we should just move past that step and say, all right, what can I learn today that's going to make me better tomorrow and put the emphasis on that. Easier said than done, but that's sort of a... Uh, understanding. And then sort of, I mean, I guess the last, the last example I'll give of this is, uh, is not giving your best in preparation. So let's say you have a jury, you have a big performance, you have a recital, or maybe you have an audition. Uh, This is mostly, this is going to be most uh, egregious, I guess, in auditions, not egregious, but uh, most pronounced in auditions because there's someone judging you for whether or not you're going to be heard again, but sometimes we can self-sabotage, right? Sometimes we can say the pressure of trying as hard as I can, if I fail, then I'm, it's basically with a fixed mindset saying that you will never be able to do this. You'll never, because you, you would think like, I'm already, I have to already be good enough. And a growth mindset, you're like, well, I didn't do well here. 
but I can learn and I can be better next time. A fixed mindset's like, well, this is how it will always be. And there's a number of discussions I've had with people. There's two examples. And then there's an example that uh, Carol Dweck wrote about in her book that I'm going to share. The first one is my interview with Barbara Butler. It's episode like 26 on the podcast. She said something along the lines at the end of the episode about or near the end of the episode that people who don't try as hard as they can always have an out because if they fail, they can say, well, I failed because of this or because of that or I didn't try as hard as I could. And they don't want to try as hard as they could because of what my friend Ansel said in an episode shortly after that, which was, if I try as hard as I possibly could and I fail, that's telling me maybe I don't actually have it. And when he said that to me, I was like, oh my gosh, I've been doing this. I've sort of been selling myself short. I've been joke. I, I, I joked around for years. I never really took myself seriously. And I started to understand that that was a way for me to like sort of keep rejection uh, at at bay. If I didn't take myself seriously and I never got asked to do master classes or I never got to play in a, you know, like I never got to, I never won another job or maybe I didn't sub with some other orchestra or something like that. If I just never took myself seriously, I can always just say, well, you know, I never really cared about that. But if I cared about those types of things and I was rejected or it didn't happen, then what am I left with? And so a bit of a sort of a defense mechanism here. And then the third example is from Carol Dweck's book, I think this is how you pronounce it, Nadja Salerno-Sonnenberg. Hopefully I said that correctly. She's a violinist who soloed with the Philadelphia Orchestra at 10 years old. That's what we're dealing with here. <laughs> uh, she went to Juilliard, but because she was so good at such a young age, she probably thought, well, I just have this. Everything I do is great. And so she wasn't, at least the way it says in the book, she wasn't open to uh, correction or teaching or new ideas and things like that. And it caused a lot of problems. And this is a quote that she wrote from the book when she was struggling at auditions or competitions and things. It says, everything I was going through boiled down to fear, fear of trying and failing. Nothing is harder than saying, I gave it my all and it wasn't good enough. And I think we can all understand that. This is the effect of the fixed mindset. If you resonated with anything I just talked about, just assume that there's a fixed mindset inside of you. Now, this isn't a bad thing by any means. Again, it's more about awareness than it is about judgment. You're not saying, oh, I have a fixed mindset. I'm a horrible person. That would be a fixed mindset way of dealing with that, <laughs> learning or seeing that you have a fixed mindset. It's more about recognizing, oh, I do see that I have a fear of failing uh, or trying and failing and so what would I do instead of that? And what you would do instead of that is try to adopt a growth mindset. She writes in the book that the growth mindset allows people to value what they're doing regardless of the outcome. I'm going to read that again. The growth mindset allows people to value what they're doing regardless of the outcome. Anytime you've ever heard someone say, release the result, uh, don't focus on the result, you know, process over product, F trust the process. That's what they're saying. They're saying that the, the the value of what you're doing is more in the process and what you're learning than it is about how it presents itself in a particular outcome. And what this means is a negative outcome, an outcome that you don't like, a failed audition or a bad performance of some kind doesn't mean that you can't learn from that and grow and be better or more prepared or whatever next time. And thus, it's almost as if this negative outcome was good. 
because you learned. I think there are times where a negative outcome is better than a positive outcome because what you might learn that might actually benefit you more long term than if you were just successful right away. And of course, we all to some degree understand whether we like to admit it or not. We understand that trying really hard, failing and learning is the process that happens to be able to get to a point where we understand things to in a deep way and we can sort of experience some amount of consistent success at whatever we're doing, right? We all understand that. It's an unfortunate truth to me because it's just a painful process, but that's what this is saying. In order to really take advantage of failure, we need to develop a growth mindset because failure doesn't define us, it informs us, all right? And also just very few people are successful in anything that they're doing in their first time. You know, like no one, very few people win their very first audition. Some do. I know some people who have won their very first audition, uh, but most people don't do that. And so this is another example of if we want to, let's say you want to pursue being an orchestra musician, well, you're going to have to embrace this growth mindset kind of thing if you're going to survive past your first five auditions, let alone your first possible 30 or some people are up to 50 or 60 auditions, you know, depends on how long you're, you know, Chris Smith, principal trumpet in San Diego, calls it a game of attrition. It's like, how long can you last? But some people are in the 60s uh, for their auditions. And hopefully they feel like they're learning something each time. So it doesn't feel like I'm just wasting my time. Uh, okay. So what's interesting to me, and I did not understand this until I read the book, but the growth mindset, that's, the gold method represents my shift from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset in my practice and in my playing. Like, it's very interesting to see that. And I learned it from working out. I learned a process from working out and I stole it and I brought it over and I started trying to, you know, refine it more for the demands of a musical instrument. But the gold method, remember, it's your practice must be goal-oriented, your practice must have an optimal starting place, your practice must have a logical progression, and your practice should have a defined time frame. So the goal, the G part of it, that's what guides our work. Again, we're not attached to the result, but we need some sort of goal that's saying, this is the kind of practice you should do, or you should work on these exercises, or this is maybe the sound that you're trying to cultivate. Without some sort of goal, we're just aimless, or we're, we're wandering the optimal starting place, because we're no longer trying to prove anything to ourselves, or we are trying to practice in a way where we are combating the, the desire or the, the need to prove ourselves, we're going to release proving anything. And we're just going to say, where would I be able to like sound great and learn some stuff? You know, that's your optimal starting place. And that only comes about because we stop trying to prove things. If you're proving things, you'll never, ever be able to get in your optimal starting place because you'll be so nervous or so worried that you'll never get there if you start slow enough or, and, and do it long enough. We have the logical progression. It just takes time to build skill. It takes time to learn music. And so the idea is, is that we develop a progression that we say, I trust. This is the actual sort of process part of it. I trust this progression. I trust this process. And I'm going to release the idea of it has to have a particular result at a particular time so that I can just let the process work. And then finally, we have the defined time frame. And this is interesting to me because this is where we learn for the next time. So we can actually build in a growth mindset into our practice with the gold method. And I just had no idea when I first started doing it. But this makes so much sense to me because now I'm so less, so much less concerned with proving things to myself 
and in my practice. And I'm so much more concerned, especially over the last year and a half, maybe two years, but year and a half, I've just been slowly learning about my playing and I've become more consistent and more confident. You know, I, I, when I'm playing in the orchestra, I miss far fewer notes. I feel much stronger. I feel like I know what's going on. I've developed an actual understanding of what's happening with my instrument rather than just having to rely on luck or, you know, a good day or something like that. And an example of that would be, I love telling the story. An example of this would be with my low playing. When I was in grad school, I was introduced to the Phil Snedekor Low Etudes for Trumpet book. Barbara Butler, uh, my teacher at Northwestern, she uh, shared it with me. And the very first page is something that I've posted about on my Instagram and stuff. It's what I call low register dr drills. They're like one or two line etudes or sort of little exercises that get you down into low Fs. And then there's like 20 etudes in the or 22 etudes in the whole book or something like that. She said to me, Ryan, I want you to play this first page of the book, and then I want you to play one of these etudes each day. And this will help your low playing. And I was like, okay, cool. And I went into the practice room and I thought, well, I'll definitely play this first page. But instead of playing one of these each day, what if I played the whole book each day or half of the book each day? Wouldn't that just make me better that much faster? No, not at all. That's not how it works. You can't just like force skill development because you're doing more work. Like there is a certain point where doing more will benefit you, but it's not an, it's not a unending infinite process. More will hurt you over time, or at best it will delay your skill development because you'll go past the point where you can control it. And then you'll start ingraining bad habits. If you sort of, and so over the course of time, it's like my low register has gotten better, but it was never like, I trust this low register, but now I trust my low register 99% of the time. And all I did differently was I, instead of trying to play an entire book of low etudes, I picked one of them. And that first page of low register dr drills. And I just started slow. I made sure things were, you know, pr being produced correctly. I started learning about, all right, where do I aim for this note? Where does that note sit? Where's the center? It wasn't great every single day and that's okay. But it not only got better, but it got more consistent. So really what happened was that initial period where things weren't great, that was actually me learning how to do it. And I just had to like press through the process and trust that it would lead to something that was good. Uh, another example would be a client of mine. He's one of my very first, he may have been my very first client. When he, he was having some struggles in his playing and I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure out it's this or it's this. And so we wrote a routine where we sort of deconstructed the individual parts of trumpet production so we could kind of figure out which thing isn't feeling as great. And this client uh, understood what we were doing, but it was a very slow, it was a very kind of boring uh, process. And so... Um, it was just like a, not a struggle, but I don't think it was enjoyable. Um, but now over a year later, I've heard recordings of this client and it's so clear that there's deep learning that's happened over the course of time, right? So instead of proving something and saying like, I'm actually not going to break things down, I'm not going to learn. I just need to continue pressing forward with suboptimal trumpet playing. This, this client actually was like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll take your gamble here, I guess, if you want to say it that way. I'll, I'll stop 
progress and the way I think progress should happen so that we can find an optimal starting place. And I won't prove anything to myself for a while. I'll just do the process. And that was the effect. It's more of a growth mindset of like, I'm going to slowly figure things out and actually get better. And, you know, that's another example. And then this, the, the third example, and then we'll finish up here. The third example is that the fixed mindset, even though I'm aware of it now, it still doesn't go away. It's so amazing to me when I will ask my wife, Kathleen, for feedback on virtually everything that I do. Blog posts, podcasts, well, not podcast episodes anymore, but in the beginning for sure. And if I do sort of a, uh, a solo podcast that I care about the content, I'll ask her to listen to it. Uh, I may you know, say, what do you think about this recording I made or things like that. I ask for her feedback on a whole bunch of different things. And in my mind, I understand this now. I didn't understand this for a long time. But in my mind, what I want her to say is, you're perfect. You're amazing. You're the best trumpet player or you're the best podcaster. You're the best writer that's ever existed. That's like what I want her to say. And I realize how stupid and ridiculous that sounds as I'm saying it out loud. But that's like what I want. But it's funny because I also understand that if she has feedback for me, some uh, constructive criticism, that will actually make me better in the long run. But it's like, I don't want to hear that. I want to hear that all of the work that I've done is good enough. That's like still a fixed mindset being present now at this point, even though I know the benefits of a growth mindset and I've embraced it, it still shows up. But that's actually kind of the point I'm making here is just being aware that that's it and that's what it does allows you to say, well, that's how I would normally feel or that is how I feel, but that's not how I have to move forward. I may feel like I want her to say, give me the best possible feedback that you can. And when she doesn't, I can say, oh, that sucks. I wanted to know it was great, but thank you. I I know I'll be better as a result of this. Uh, one final example, uh, and this is going to kind of tie a whole bunch of things together. At the beginning of the pandemic, Hokan started playing those Charlier recordings, and I was infatuated with the way he produced sound, his articulation. And so I started trying to get it to be more uh, immediate, sort of more released like his, try to get my articulation to be more like his. And I felt I felt like over the course of time, I, I made some pretty big um, leaps and bounds in that direction. It, it was like at this stage of my playing, I felt like I was making like observable, obvious progress, which was awesome. And then literally like a month ago, I was working on one of those. I think it was the uh, triple tongue Charlier number nine, number 18. And I felt like I was doing pretty good. So I turned on his recording and I was just like, how in the world is it this clear? How is his recording so clear? Every note is like just pinged. And it was demoralizing for me. At this stage, I felt like I had made so much progress. And then I was like, I, I'm not even, am I, have I made progress? Like, am I even like, am I going crazy here? It was like, even after all this time, my, the growth mindset, the growth mindset should have said, you've made progress, but clearly there's more progress left to go. Imagine, you know, after another period of time, how much closer you'll be to whatever particular goal you have. But that's not the voice I heard. The voice I heard was, gosh, you're, it's maybe, maybe it is like, you're naturally just never going to be able to do this. That's like what I heard. And so, you know, I'm aware of that. I can acknowledge it. I can say it. And as a result, it has no power, right? <laughs> it has no power over me. And so I would encourage all of you 
to th- to just at, like I said, read the book, but just to think about these things in your own life. Are there times where you feel like you have to prove yourself? Are there times where you feel demoralized because you hear something that should be inspiring, but rather it feels like it's a weight on top of you because maybe you don't feel like you know how to get better in the practice room, so you just will never get there. Or there's so many struggles that you're going through right now that you just can't see that there will be an uh, an other side, so to speak. Any of these types of fixed mindset mentalities is it is when you are when you struggle or you have a bad outcome with something is it is there some other reason is it the room was too hot or the room was too cold or your mouthpiece wasn't dialed in exactly right or maybe you didn't do your whole entire routine and so you couldn't play well or maybe you know they asked you like I've had examples in uh, orchestra auditions where they're like we'll put you in this room and you'll have 20 minutes and then like 45 minutes later they come and get me and it's like well I don't know how to I couldn't stay fresh you know I was I was too I was too cold or I was too you know I hadn't played in a while right so I had an excuse for why I didn't do well now maybe that excuse makes sense but somebody else won that audition and so the the alternative is to say, all right, like that outcome didn't work out the way I wanted to. How will I be prepared for that situation next time? And put the onus on yourself to figure it out. And that's all that's all we're talking about here. But it being able to recognize when you have a fixed mindset, I think is step number one. So this is what I want to leave you with, all right? I want to leave you with this idea that you cannot convince yourself of something that's not true. This is going to be a little bit, I don't want to, it's got, like you hear, we hear a lot of narratives that say like, believe in yourself or like you can do whatever you want to do or whatever like that. And it's like, I agree sort of, but what I've experienced in my life is like, no matter how much I believe that I can do something, if I have a fixed mindset, like I'm always going to fall back onto no matter how much I say I can do this, that fixed mindset's going to win out because I haven't addressed the root of what the problem is here. You know, if you listen to someone like David Goggins, he's just like, you can do anything. You can push your mind past this point. But like, there's no sort of goal in mind. It's not for something. It's for the sake of doing it. And so that's the same kind of thing here. Like, He's not convinced he's not convincing himself of something he doesn't think is true. He really believes that he can do anything and he's never going to stop until he does everything, so to speak. And so I have a client who's uh you know, he's got some struggles that he was going through and we were talking about it and he's just he's talking about these struggles and I was like, "Well, I don't think actually you like statements of affirmation are great, but a statement statement of affirmation isn't necessarily just going to make everything immediately better, even if you do them for a while." Like what I think, and these are these these four steps I'm going to leave all of you with. What I think is the way to to move forward is instead of trying to convince yourself of something that you you just don't think is true right now, Go find a process. Go find something that you can commit to. It doesn't matter. You can use the Gold Method app. You could work with me. You could find some sort of teacher. You could find some sort of routine, whatever. But go find a process. And number two, trust that process. Don't decide halfway through that it's not working or you're not getting the outcome that you want, especially if you don't even know what outcome it is that you want. If you're practicing in such a way that you're like, oh, like this is good or this is bad, but you're not like, I have this clear sound in my head, a musical model or a blueprint. If you don't have that in your head, like you're never going to be able to figure out. That's the goal oriented. You're never going to be able to figure out if you've actually reached it. So that's my suggestion. Find a process, 
then trust that process. Do not abandon it. Go through the whole entire thing. What I have my clients do is I have a one-month fundamentals routine that I put them on at the very beginning. And I say, just do this to the best of your ability. You don't have to be perfect. But what we don't want is in week one for you to say, nothing is feeling good and none of this is like, you know, I'm not getting better and everything is just hard. So like, I'm this isn't right for me. I'm like, no, just finish it out. We want to know the answer to the question, what is the result of this process? You owe it to yourself to know the end of the line and what that looks like for any given process so that you can do something with that information. Number three, be patient. Just be patient. I understand what I'm saying. I'm an impatient person at times, but I've learned over the course of time the value of just being patient, letting things unfold in the time it takes them to unfold. Stop trying, at least like this is almost me saying it to myself, but hopefully other people will benefit from it. Stop trying to force your way into what you want to have happen and just do great work and see what happens. You know, stop. we shouldn't try to force ourselves to learn anything or whatever. It's just like show up, do great work. And then over the course of time, we'll figure out where to go next. That's just my take on it. And the fourth one, and this is a very, very important one for the mindset the progress you make in the practice room and the ability you have in your instrument do not define you as a person. So this is like what the growth mindset is all about. And, and the fixed mindset will say, uh, you're not making progress, so you're not good enough. Or you, you struggle, you can't play high on the trumpet, so you'll never be able to play high on the trumpet. And that's now that defines you either as a player or even sometimes as a person. It just starts to seep in and we just think less of ourselves as human beings because of whatever struggles we're going through on our instrument or other areas in our life. Growth mindset would say, none of that defines me. That's just something I'm dealing with. And I can try to find the solution to fix the problem, so to speak. So if a trumpet player is struggling to play high, then you might say, well, I'll go talk to someone who plays high really well and see if they can help me figure it out. Because I believe it's possible for me to get better. I just need to find the solution. Or, you know, if they're struggling with a piece of music, it's like, well, maybe I need to go back to the drawing board and figure out what I'm doing wrong. Stuff like that, right? Hopefully that makes sense. So find a process, trust the process, be patient, and your progress and ability doesn't define you. All right? Hopefully this is something that is useful for people. I found it incredibly useful, uh, just in, like I said, in self-reflection, helping me understand when certain things seem to uh, get me down uh, and when I start to believe certain stories or whatever, I guess. So um, hopefully, like I said, this piques your interest. Go read the book. That will answer more of your questions than I can. But if you have questions or anything like that, I would encourage you to reach out. You can uh, go to the contact page on that'snotspit.com. Or you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at That's Not Spit. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, I would really encourage you to leave a rating and a review on iTunes. And don't forget to share this episode on social media so other people can learn about it. I want to thank Brandon Yoakum for his work on mastering this episode of the podcast. And most of all, I'd like to thank you for listening. Stay strong. Be kind to yourself. Never stop growing. And we'll see you next time. Hello, 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 that's not Spit fans, and welcome to the secret message of today's episode.
In a few days, the new year will be upon us. A time of New Year's resolutions. A time of overeating, perhaps. A time to grow. You know, I think Ryan brings up a lot of really good points in this episode about maintaining a growth mindset no matter what you're doing. So, here I am wondering what you are doing. What am I doing? Well, I've decided as a left-handed guitar player to learn to play the guitar right-handed. We'll see how that goes. Like Ryan says, you have to do the process, take the result of that process, and evaluate afterwards. It will take some time, and so far it feels like I'm starting from square one all over again. So I'm trying to just take it slow and trust. I wish you health and happiness and peace in the new year. And remember, shh, don't tell Ryan.